Welcome to the Untold Podcast, capturing the culture's imagination through speculative fiction. I'm your host, Nathan James Norman. Thanks for coming back after last month's episode. A number of you took the time to write in and say, That was rated PG? And in retrospect, I suppose the murder of a child and the cannibalism should have bumped it up to a made-up rating like PG-11 or PG-12. But I thought, hey, it's a classic Brothers Grimm story. People have been reading these things to their kids for generations. And you know what? Everything works out in the end. Spoiler alert, except for the wicked stepmother. So, if you were offended, I'm sorry you were offended. Did you hear what I did there? I didn't really apologize. I just expressed that I wished you didn't feel offended. Isn't that obnoxious? Watch out for those sorts of apologies, folks. A real apology involves an admission of wrongdoing. Just like when we here at the Untold Podcast admit that we were wrong to think that cannibalism in a children's story wouldn't offend anyone. Sorry. Well, this month's story is completely different than the last one. For one, it wasn't written like a hundred years ago. And for another, no cannibalism exists in this story. Well, actually, it might exist, off in some dark corner of the world of the story. Or maybe it doesn't exist in this world. I don't know. I I didn't really talk to the author about it. So all I can really say is that no cannibalism is portrayed in this month's story. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I'm talking about cannibalism way too much, aren't I? Sorry. This month's story was written by Justin Lowmaster. Justin is a husband and father and considered a curiosity by many. He lives in the great Northwest and enjoys the rain, so long as he's not driving in it. Other things he enjoys are listening to and creating podcasts, gaming of all kinds, and pie. This author loves his pie. You can find his works over at thespaceturtle.com. Follow him on Twitter under the name Chivalry Bean. And you can grab a free copy of today's story for various e-readers over at smashwords.com backslash profile backslash view backslash chivalry bean. You might want to go over to the show notes for that one. And so, without further conversation about cannibalism, the Untold Podcast proudly presents Send In by Justin Lowmaster. Jeremy shuddered as he loaded the crate into the back of his small, red truck. He fidgeted with the tailgate door to get it to latch properly. Dealing with an arms dealer had been a far different experience than he had expected. Considering the trail of contacts he went through to find him, he'd expected a gangster with excessive bling. The man he finally met with talked like a businessman and wore a plain yet expensive-looking suit. He was also cold and unemotional. It made sense, though. How would some street gangster get a hold of some high-grade military hardware? But he had some now, didn't he? He pushed the crate back. It stopped short of the cab. 
A quick check and Jeremy found his duffel bag full of baseball gear. He put it on the back seat and went back to securing the crate. Once he was done, he took to the streets. Jeremy drove with extra care, even though the roads were free of heavy traffic. The tarp over the crate flapped in the wind. Jeremy peeked back often to make sure it hadn't flown away. A car horn blared, and Jeremy looked back at the road and screeched to a halt just inches from the tail end of a van. He waited in horror for the driver to storm out of the vehicle and yell at him. The light turned green, and the traffic began moving again. The small baseball player on his dash bobbled its head up and down. Jeremy glared at it. <sighs> Stop laughing. While nearing the high-rise apartments, Jeremy kept a careful eye on the cars. But none of the smaller models looked suspicious. Either a single driver or the normal families driving off to get dinner or maybe see a movie. He pulled into the parking garage and parked in his normal spot, way too far from the elevator. Checking to see that few cars drove around the garage, he decided that it was as good a time as any to make for the elevator. Struggling with the bulky dark green crate, he managed to get it onto the radio flyer without dropping it. The crate hung off the end, but he managed to cover it with the tarp. The only real trouble happened when his necklace caught on one of the latches. He rolled for the elevator. The wheels squeaked and the wagon did not maneuver well under all the weight. As he neared, he saw a man in a baseball cap making for the elevator. Deciding that stopping in the middle of the garage would be too suspicious, he kept going. Jeremy reached the elevator a few moments ahead, and he pressed the up button. The other man arrived and also pressed the lit up button and stood beside Jeremy. Jeremy didn't make eye contact and stood still until the elevator arrived. He rolled the wagon in and pressed the button for the top floor. The man got in and pressed a button for some middle floor and stood right beside the wagon. A quick glance revealed that the tarp had slid off slightly. If he looked, would the man have any idea what was in the crate? He didn't look like a military man. He looked more like a fisherman. There were fishing flies on his head. The man took out his keys and began sorting through the massive number of them. While doing so, he dropped the keys and they fell into the wagon. Jeremy held his breath but didn't look. The man hesitated for a moment before reaching into the wagon. He felt a moment for the keys and Jeremy heard them jingle, but the man didn't pull them out right away. Jeremy turned slightly to try and look without it being obvious. Was the man looking at the crate? The man looked up at Jeremy, hand still under the tarp, lifting it a little bit. The elevator stopped and the doors opened as the man pulled out the keys. He turned to Jeremy. <sighs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I had a radio flyer as a kid. <laughs> Brought back memories. He glanced at Jeremy's chest. <laughs> hey, neat necklace. I like the design. Well, have a good day. 
He stepped out of the elevator and the door is shut. Jeremy released the breath he had been holding, making him feel deflated. He had come too far for everything to go wrong now. It would be a tragedy if he failed. The elevator continued its ascent to the top floor. Once there, the doors opened and three kids crowded in. A woman, presumably their mother, stood outside. Hey! Let this man out first! Don't be so rude! The two boys and one girl cowered out of the elevator and made room for Jeremy to exit, wagon in tow. The woman leaned towards him slightly. Sorry about that, sir. He shrugged. No problem. His voice cracked when he spoke. His mouth felt like a wasteland. He rolled the wagon down the hall and around the corner. There, he rolled it all the way down to the door to the roof. He pulled out a set of keys and found the one he needed. He tried to open the door. Nothing happened. Jeremy's blood chilled. Had the janitor noticed it had gone missing and changed the lock? Jeremy tried again. The door did not budge. He pulled the key out and looked at it. <sighs> Idiot. That was his apartment key. He did his best to calm down and found the right key, which looks similar. This time the door opened and Jeremy made sure no one walked the hallway and picked up the crate, hauling it up the stairs to the roof. Each step threatened to throw him off balance. He sat it on the shade of the stairway cover. Sweating from the exertion, he retrieved the wagon and parked it near the doorway. He locked the door and took a moment to rest, thankful for the cool rooftop air. The sun started making a break for the horizon. There wasn't much time left. Jeremy dragged the crate to the northwest corner of the building. The sun was back. He looked over the city. The tall buildings, the cars roaming the streets, the people walking the sidewalks. All of them in danger. Not hesitating any longer, he opened the crate. Inside rested the rocket launcher and five rockets. Would five be enough? If he missed more than once, it might not. But five was all he could afford, and just barely. Missing a target would have plenty of other consequences besides wasting ammo. He picked up a rocket and examined it. He hoped it would pierce the armor of the vehicles. The dealer had said it should. Well, about time... Jeremy jumped a few inches, clutching the rocket launcher so he wouldn't drop it. <laughs> the heck? Grimble, don't sneak up like that. Grimble, a three-foot gnome, almost four if you counted his pointy yellow hat, shrugged. Sorry. Grimble set down a sack and hooked his thumbs under his red suspenders. The southeast area is blocked as best we can, so they should have to come into the northwest area where you can hit them. Jeremy loaded a rocket. Should? They had better. If even one of those gets through, we could be... Grimble cut him off. Hey, we've got limited energy to hold the barriers up. The fact that we have to tune them to allow humans through makes it harder. 
Jeremy looked over the rocket launcher, noting the exhaust warning stenciled near the back. I guess I'm doing this, right? Make sure you're not behind me when I fire this. <laughs> you might lose your hat. Jeremy looked over the city again. Far down below, a homeless man poked through a trash can, while a man in a sharp suit walked right by talking on a cell phone. What if I miss? After a moment, Grimble walked up beside Jeremy and placed a hand on his back and looked up at him. That pendant around your neck has been blessed by the utmost to help you hit whatever you're looking at. So keep your eyes and the laser on the target. Magic and technology work well together. Jeremy pulled the rockets partway out of the crate for easy grabbing. <sighs> okay, I'm almost convinced I won't screw this up. Grimble teetered on his toes. Glad to hear it. Want something to drink? Grimble pulled the glass bottle out of his sack. I've got plenty. Jeremy glanced at the bottle. No thanks. That gnome juice, or whatever it is, tastes foul. But please, don't let that stop you from enjoying a refreshing drink while the fate of the city is in my hands. Suit yourself. I love this stuff. It's been filtered through the best minerals known to gnome kind. You could have brought me a soda. Grimble cringed. Ugh, sugar. How can you mention that at a time like this? Jeremy shrugged and looked over the city again. I have an idea. I'll drink all of that if you fire the rocket launcher. Grimble grinned. No can do. That charm is attuned to you. Plus, I can't see over the edge of the building. Jeremy sighed. How will I know when the... An obnoxious horn blasted an eerie tune that sounded like it should be cheerful, but wasn't. Jeremy stiffened. That would be them, I bet. Grimble nodded. No time to waste, Jeremy. Take them out and worry about the consequences later. Jeremy shouldered the rocket launcher and scanned the streets for the source of the horn. The consequences. <laughs> I was ignoring those fine until you brought it up. Sirens wailed and Jeremy saw the red and blues of a cop car as it chased a white car with cheerful red and blue swirls painted on it. A happy face grinned on each of the two doors. There it is! Grimble spoke from right beside him, standing on the crate. I couldn't bear not to watch. Jeremy didn't answer. He looked through the rocket launcher's scope and tried to get a bead on the moving car. It was hard to follow the erratic movements while zoomed in with the scope. Slow down, Grimble clucked. You've got to hit them before they stop and get out. I know, I know, just let me... He trailed off. Should he fire now? Were there people nearby? What about the cop car? 
His last question got an answer when jets of stringy color shot from the back of the tiny car and covered the police car's windshield. The tiny car careened around a corner and the cop tried to follow, but ran into another car. Jeremy fired. The rocket whooshed out of the launcher and sped towards the streets, leaving a smoky trail behind it. Jeremy did his best to keep the laser trained on the small car as it sped faster and faster through the streets. The rocket's trajectory stayed true, and as the small car screeched to a stop, it pierced the passenger door right through the happy face's forehead and exploded internally. A fireball shot upwards and bits of the car flew in all directions. When the initial flames cleared, a burning husk of the car and rising red and black were the sole remains. Jeremy didn't have time to see if anyone was hurt because a second horn howled among the skyscrapers. Grimble held out the next rocket. Good job, Jeremy. Jeremy smiled a cheerless smile and took the rocket. He loaded it while trying to see the next car. More sirens blared, but the police cars he saw appeared to be moving towards the smoking crater. <sighs> what if someone died in the explosion? The rocket launcher trembled in his hands. Grimble pointed. There! Jeremy looked and saw the second car. This one had yellow flowers painted on the side. It sped along and a white gloved hand tossed candy to the people walking. Jeremy hoped that no one ate any of it. He imagined people falling over from poison or struggling to pry their mouths open. The launcher still trembled in his hands but he barely hit the last car in time. So he could not hesitate. He fired, and the second rocket flew. Jeremy panicked when the car turned and stopped out of sight. He could see it, but just the reflection in the windows of a building. Unsure what to do, he aimed at the reflection. Would the laser bounce? The rocket careened towards the window. Through the scope, he saw a lady standing on the other side of the reflection watching. The rocket flew right towards the woman. The woman turned her gaze and her eyes widened. His gaze followed the rocket as it neared. It turned at the last second to drill into the proper target, which exploded at the door. The glass of the reflection building burst inwards. The rocket launcher trembled even more. Another plume of red and black smoke joined the other in the sky. Jeremy stood, motionless. His thoughts sparked as he considered all the damage he could have done if that woman had been killed. The world seemed to stop. Had she been married? A mother? A hot pain redirected his thoughts to his chest. He looked down to see the charm glowing. He touched it and burned his finger. Grimble shouted, Are you listening to me? There are two more of those things out there right now. You've got to get them both. Jeremy shook out of his daze. The, the, the charm burned me. Good, that means it's working. Did you hear me? What? what? Two? Listening 
he heard two distinct honking tunes, as eerie and almost cheerful as the others. I think I killed a woman. Grimble held out a rocket. A lot more are going to die than that if you stand here worrying about it. As soon as they get on foot, silly string and candy that makes your teeth fall out will be the least of anyone's worries. Jeremy grabbed the rocket to load it. His shaking hands made it difficult, but he managed. The next target revealed itself when balloon animals started pouring from the windows. They rolled along behind. Jeremy hated to think of what might be wrong with those balloons. What if they popped? Poison gas? Spiders inside? Maybe they were just covered with germs. Balloons would attract kids. They wanted to hurt kids. He fired again, and this time the rocket hit the car as it was still moving. The explosion tossed it further down the road and it smashed into the rear bumper of a car. The driver got out and ran. A third pyre of red and black smoke filled the sky. Grimble thrust the next rocket at Jeremy. Hurry! The car has already stopped! Jeremy loaded the rocket. Grimble pointed with one hand and talked with the knuckle of his other hand in his mouth. This should be the last one, but they're already getting out of the car! Jeremy aimed as the car's occupants climbed out. There they were, the clowns. Wild hair of orange, green, blue, and pink. Colorful noses, silly pants, the works. But instead of smiles painted on their mouths, big red sneers dominated their faces. They weren't painted on, though. Four of them stood outside the car, with several more still inside. Jeremy stiffened as a woman with a stroller walked near the clowns. A clown with blue hair and a classic red nose bent over and waved into the stroller. With the speed of a jack-in-the-box, it grabbed the front of the stroller and pulled it from the mother's grasp and shoved it into the road. Cars swerved as the mother ran without abandon to rescue her child. Jeremy fired. Floppy purple shoe with polka dots stepped out just before the rocket hit the car. Flames burst in all directions. Jeremy watched as the clowns flew away from the blast. One ended up with his face smashed through a bus stop. Another fell in the road, the wisps of red smoke curling from the burning clothing and blue hair. A truck screeched to a halt, but not before the front wheels ground the corpse squeezing out guts like a surprise snake from a peanut can. Nothing obvious could be seen of the other two. No more dreadful horns haunted the air. Jeremy surveyed the city. Four plumes of red and black smoke marked each site. I think we did it, Grimble. Jeremy turned when he got no reply. Grimble? Grimble lay on the rooftop, green blood pooling out from where a spiked yellow and orange ball stuck into the back of his neck. Grimble! Jeremy looked up to see a shadow dart behind a rooftop air duct. Moving with haste, he made his way back to the edge where the last rocket lay in the crate. 
He brought the launcher up to bear. The clown loomed, clad in green and black, juggling two balls in one hand. With inhuman speed, the clown threw the ball into the barrel. Ducking behind the crate for cover, he looked down the rocket launcher. The ball looked stuck, and seeing the spikes protruding from it made Jeremy jerk back the hand that was reaching in to pull it out. Deciding that firing the launcher might make it explode, Jeremy changed his grip and held it like a bat. He peered over the crate, but saw no one. He rose and cautiously advanced across the rooftops, taking cover behind air vents. He heard something behind him and turned and swung the launcher. The swing was slow, but connected with the incoming ball. Jeremy watched as the ball flew back towards the sneering clown that had thrown it. The clown blocked its face and the ball struck it, spikes springing out and into the hand. The clown gasped a disgusting, wet and dripping cry. The laugh that bubbled out was worse, though. The clown rushed Jeremy with its stuck hand raised high. Jeremy backpedaled until the clown was in range and swung smashing into the arm, and the clown twisted. On its way down, one of its floppy black shoes smashed into the side of Jeremy's head, backwards. He stumbled and fell, and when he tripped up against the crate, the launcher clattered over the edge of the roof. The clown scrambled towards Jeremy as he struggled to get up, and the clown got there first. It crawled onto him and raised the ball high and swung it towards Jeremy's face while laughing a sadistic, <laughs> wet laugh. Jeremy caught the arm mid-swing with both hands. His arms didn't hold out long and the hand came rushing down. Jeremy twisted and the hand crashed onto the rooftop. A liquid shout and slobber shot from the clown's crimson lips and the spikes drove deeper into its hand and poked through the other side. The clown ripped the ball free with its other hand and threw it away. Jeremy still struggled to get free, but he could not break the hold. The clown pulled a fluffy wad of cotton candy from a pouch and pulled it tight, making it a thin strand. Jeremy struggled as the clown put all its weight against Jeremy's neck with the candy garret. He smashed at the clown's face, pulled at its hair, but nothing affected it. Everything started going gray. In a last attempt, Jeremy flailed for something to grab onto. Just in reach was a bottle of Grimble's gnome juice. Jeremy grabbed it and smashed it against the side of the clown's head. The bottle shattered, and glass and juice splashed all over the clown's head and Jeremy's face. The clown leapt up, and with a flurry of gloves, clawed at its face. The skin began to bubble and hiss, and red steam poured out from the wounds. Jeremy got to his feet, spitting the disgusting, salty liquid from his mouth. The clown ran at Jeremy, but he sidestepped. The clown stumbled and teetered at the edge of the rooftop. Jeremy picked up another bottle. Have another. It was Grimble's favorite. 
Jeremy wound up and hurled the bottle at the clown. It exploded against the clown's chest. The clown reeled backwards, arms in the air as it fell over the edge. Jeremy watched the clown flap its arms like a bird all the way down. When it hit the pavement, it sounded like wind exiting the rubber cushion. Jeremy loaded Grimble onto the wagon with care and made for the elevator. Sirens sounded and drew closer to the apartment building. He hoped that no matter what happened, he could bury his friend. was our story. I hope you liked it. And if you didn't, I'm sorry that you feel that way. This story did some very wonderful things with the tension, and the attack from the demon clowns came out of nowhere. But the story did leave the listener with some questions. Where did the clowns come from? Who sent them? And why did, presumably God, call the main character to stop them? There are no answers, only questions. But as Gandalf told Frodo when he wished none of his troublesome journey had happened, So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. And in the case of Jeremy, he decided to stop those evil clowns, even though he didn't understand everything, or anything. And beyond that, from the story, we know that he would never be thanked or acknowledged for his work. In fact, he might be persecuted and despised, but he still did it. Great stuff. Be sure to go visit Justin Lowmaster's websites located in the show notes. Well, that's it for this month, but before we go, I wanted to close out the episode with an amazing song from Joshua Popejoy. You're already familiar with his work because his rendition of Send in the Clowns closed out our story today. And now, after the favorite line from the story, we're going to be treated to Wake Up from his upcoming album Live in Philly. If you like what you hear, and I know that you will, because Joshua Popejoy is amazing, be sure to visit him over at joshuapopejoy.com or facebook.com backslash Music. Go to our show notes for the links, and seriously, check him out, buy a CD, like him on Facebook, and find some awesome, awesome music. 
So as Wake Up by Joshua Popejoy plays, let me leave you with my favorite line from the story. Jeremy loaded Grimble onto the wagon with care and made for the elevator. Sirens sounded and drew closer to the apartment building. He hoped that no matter what happened, he could bury his friend.
Mr. John Glob, it's over on the electric.